You weathered the storm. It's just temperature. I'm glad you're here this morning. You guys hear me okay? All right, all right. We have got a good morning in store for us. Guys, uh, I want to pray right now, okay? Pray with me, pray with me. Wow, Father, you are just so good. And, And we thank you, Father, for all the words that we heard earlier. We thank you for just the way that you just bless us in so many ways, Father. You're such an encourager. An amazing comforter, and you're the best teacher. And my heart this morning, Father, and my ask is that you teach each of us individually right now uh, in our time as I share these words, Father. And I, and I do pray for your words to speak. And I pray for the ears of the listeners to kind of just hear it as like a fresh word. Um, and internalize it as something that you want to teach them. I know, Father, your words are going to land in different places, in different people's hearts. But I, I pray, Father, that everyone can hear you this morning and be taught by the Holy Spirit that is within them about how you desire to encourage, comfort, bless, and strengthen their life. So, Father, I thank you for words this morning and just really good... Re- Just great clarity on what you uh, desire for us to hear this morning. So, Father, I thank you for these things, and it's in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. All right. Well, it's great to have you guys with us. If it's your first time here, welcome in. And those who were here last week, welcome back. We didn't scare you away. Um, So the other night, let me me back up. Last week, we were talking, Bob taught on training as a disciple, okay? And, and I'm sitting there and, and I'm thinking that f- for some of us, that might seem like, whoa, way out there. Like you kind of almost like disqualify yourself almost like automatically. Because I'll, I'll just tell you, for me to hear the word disciple and to be a disciple, it, it just a couple years ago, I had a hard time saying that about myself, that I was a disciple of Jesus Christ. I could say I was a Christian. That was cool. And I was, I was fine with that. But to say that I was a disciple of Jesus, just the way, and, and maybe you guys are different, but just the way that I understood that word to be, it was like you had to reach or you had to, you had to be at like a certain level in your spirituality. And, and that's so not the case at all. Jesus, he didn't come to make Christians. He came to make disciplined learners and followers of him. And that is what a disciple is. So to declare that you are a disciple just means that, hey, look, I have decided to live my life in accordance to that man the way he thinks, the way he acts. I, am, I, I want to replicate my life after him. He is the good teacher and I want to follow that mindset. And so I, I just kind of want us to take us back to that because we're all called to be training as a disciple of Jesus Christ. We're all called to be learning and growing. Every one of us are in different seasons of our walk. And um, last week when Bob was teaching this, I, I was just thinking of you know how sometimes... Y- you know, when you hear the word training, 
you might think like physical training, you're really far off from that goal. So take physical training, say you haven't been in the gym or you haven't worked out in a long time and you hear someone talking about you need to get physically fit. You're like, man, I am so far from that. Like, I'm just not there in this season. It just seems like such a high, high mountain to get after. And what I want to tell you is that training as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you start right there where you're at. You don't have to, you don't have to reach a certain level. It just takes the heart's yes to say, I, I, want, to, I want to walk more like this. And so that's, that's what we endeavor to do. We endeavor to walk like Jesus Christ, not in here. This is, dude, it's easy to talk about the word of God in this place. Come on. On a Sunday for an hour, I'm talking about, I want to live my life following the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to live my life following this. And last week when Bob was preaching, it just got hit me with, you have good genetics in this thing. Like you're made for this. When you talk about physical, I've got a buddy and uh, we talk about physical fitness and he's like, yeah, but your genetics are just like so much better than mine. And what he does is he disqualifies himself. And okay, I know there, everyone has different genetic makeup physically and it might be harder for him to reach a certain level of fitness than me or someone else. But in Christ, like you got it, you, you got it. You can't disqualify yourself. You, you have the genetic makeup to follow this, to be this, to be what he says you can be. You don't have to earn it. It was literally just given to you. You have God's nature in you. And the things that God makes are good. They're so good. It was cool. Um, Friday, Danny was reading. Um, we're putting the kids to bed. She's putting the kids to bed. And she's reading to them out of Genesis. And, and, um, and she's reading the first chapter of Genesis and, and I want to read it to you guys. Most likely you've, you've heard this chapter, but check this out. Check this, check this out. What God makes is good, and he recognizes it. And God, uh, Genesis 1-3, and we don't have the verses, so just listen in. And God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. Uh, and God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so, and God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters on the he- under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together, he called seas. And God saw that it was Good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. Each according to its kind. Each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. 
And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be light in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let there be for signs, for seasons, and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light to the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, the beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so, and God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then you jump down to verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Danny brings a point to our kids. She's like, you know, it's just like God to make something good. In fact, he can't do otherwise. His nature is good. And when he creates something, he creates it good. He saw saw what would happen. Plants bringing forth plants of its kind, Seeds of fruit trees bringing forth fruit of its kind. Living beasts bringing forth living beasts of its kind. God saw what would happen, his plan, his purpose. And he was like, man, that's, that's good. That is good. That is good. I want you to know that you were created In Christ Jesus, God has created you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says, Whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You are a a new creation. 
This wasn't your own doing. He did it. You are good. You are good. I don't believe we always see that in the mirror. I, I, honestly, I feel like right now, just saying this, a lot of people just disqualify themselves and, and, they, and they say, yeah, but you don't know. <laughs> well, I don't feel good. Well, you don't know what I did. <laughs> yeah, that's what that says, but my situation, and, and, and you've disqualified yourself. What I'm not, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not talking about your actions and what you have done in the past. I'm talking about your genetic makeup. I'm talking about who he's made you to be, like what's inside of you. Like you were made for victory. That's what I'm talking, that is what is good. That is what is good. So you have this genetic makeup, you, you got the genes, good genes in you. And he wants us to know that. And he wants us to know that he's got these plans for us. Romans eight twenty nine says, those whom he foreknew, those who thought about, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. What does that mean? God thought about you. He knew about you. He knew about what you could be and the plans that he has for your life as you grow up and look more like his son. Jesus Christ. You got everything you need. These are the plans that God has for you. These are the plans he has for me. 1 John 5, 4. Does that make sense? Like it's, it's super foundational, but I don't, I, I just want us to like get that. Because sometimes, like it, it can just be so over our heads. Because you look at your circumstance, you look at your situation, you look at how you, the language you've used, the actions that you've taken, or maybe the thoughts that come through your head, and they're contrary to that. They're contrary to what God is speaking about you. Don't disqualify yourself. That's lies. 1 John 5, 4 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, your faith. What does that mean? It's, the word faith is, is another word for believe. What you believe about yourself enables you to walk victorious in this world. What you say about yourself enables you to be that victor in your circumstance or your situation. We say a lot. We say a lot. We say a lot verbally to other people. We use our tongue a lot. And our words have great power. Proverbs 18 says that we, that, that, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Whoever loves it will eat its fruit. So like your words are loaded with power. Okay. And although they are very impactful when we use them with each other, they're so much more impactful when we use those words for ourselves. Because I'll tell you right now, the person you talk to the most is yourself. What are you speaking over yourself? 
What are you saying about you when you look in the mirror? What are you saying about you? Faith, believing. What do you believe to be true about you? You can say you believe one thing, but if you don't actually speak it out and do it, it's void. Like how many times, like like I was kind of saying earlier, I said you're good. I said you've got a beautiful genetic makeup in Christ, but you look at your situation and you say, no, well, I'm a sinner. I'm actually not holy. I'm a sinner. And God never calls you that. He's not saying that over you. He said you were a sinner, but when you accepted Christ, the blood of Christ washed you fresh and clean. So maybe you have sinned since that. Okay, but that's not your nature. That's not your identity. So don't associate with that person anymore. There might, be, there might have been an instance where you messed up and you walked outside of that, mm, that good nature that God has made you with. That's okay. Get back on track. That's not who you were made to be. That one instance does not define you. It doesn't determine who you are, who you were created to be. You're not a victim. You're a victor. We're always making, don't make excuses for you. Don't make excuses for you. Yeah, but they don't understand my situation, what I'm going through. You can say that up there, but like you just don't know what it's like at home. You just don't know what it's like in the workplace. My boss. You don't, you, yeah, but you just don't know what happened to me. I don't. But he does. And he still sees you for who he's made you and created you to be. Like, when God looked at you, he was just like, hmm. When he made you, he looked at your life and he says, yeah, that's good. That's, that is good right there. That's good. Hmm. That's good. And the plans and the purposes that God has had for your life, he, he actually made those before he made you and me. He made the plans for you before he made you. Look at Ephesians 2, uh, chapter 10. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. God created your works before he created you. Like it's fixed. It's like a fixed race. I was talking with a buddy and I said, it's almost like, like if you're running track, like the coach is like looking at you and he's like, well, you, you're not really good at running the 400. Uh, you're not really good at running the 800, but like you'd be pretty good at the 600. There is no 600 race, but I'm going to create it for you and I'm going to put you in it because I just know like how good you are, like the, the skill set that you have, the ability you have, I'm going to create that for you and I'm going to put you in that race and you're going to win it. It's fixed for you. We, um, 
can, babe, can I have uh, my water? Water. Um, two weeks ago, we, um, thank you, honey. Two weeks ago, we went to Denver. And uh, how many of you have been rock climbing? Oh, wow. That's like a lot more than I anticipated. Right on. Uh, I didn't know anything about rock climbing, okay? Not a thing. Uh, in fact, I hate heights. And um, it just wasn't my thing. But we were out there uh, visiting family. And, uh, and Danny's, Danny's brother is like, and, and his, uh, his girlfriend are really big in rock climbing. So they took us and we're like, okay, well, let's go. And so uh, we, we got a photo. Uh, there's me rock climbing, or about to rock climb. And uh, we go to the next photo. That photo is there to prove that I was rock climbing. Um, <laughs> so what I didn't know, or l- l- let me tell you, let me, let me tell you a little bit about this rock climbing. Uh, it's different. Th- th- they want to emulate the conditions of an actual rock that you would climb up a mountain on, okay? However, this is made for the one who's climbing it to actually succeed, Okay? You know, what they do is you see these, they're called holds, and there's various different colors, and each color is a certain path, okay, designed to take you to the top. Some are a little bit more challenging than others, but nonetheless, each of these paths are designed for you to get to the very top. And you'll see these ropes, I've got a harness uh, around me, so you can't die, you know, if, if, if you fell or couldn't do it, you could just hang on and, you know, continue on. If you were tired, you could rest. But the whole thing is designed for you to succeed. And before doing this, uh, I see my brother-in-law scale this thing up there. And I see him go first. And I'm like, okay, well, it's possible, right? And then I go up there. I know I've got this harness on. And it was pretty neat. Like, I approached this thing with such confidence, not in like my physical ability, but knowing this, that, okay, there's one that's gone before me, he's done it, and two, I got everything I need to get up there. I've got this harness on, and this thing was literally, like they literally drilled these holds in perfect succession so that I can get to the top. I just have to worry about the next hold. That's my job. And so I told myself, I was like, dude, you're not gonna look down and you're not gonna look up. Like, just worry about the next hold. Like, go to the next spot. And so, sure enough, I was able to do it. And Danny goes after me. I gave her the same advice. I was like, baby, don't look up. Don't look down. Just worry about your next hold and you'll be just fine. Sure enough, she gets to the top. And it was so profound because the revelation that that came to me is like, approach what's before you with the confidence that you were made to get up this thing. Like you are perfectly equipped with all you need to reach the top. All you have to do is worry about your next move, the next hold. What's your next move? So like I was going back before and saying how you you may have disqualified yourself because you haven't always followed Jesus Christ so closely 
and you examine your life right now and you say, yeah, that's like, okay, that's all right. But what's your next move? How are you going to react next time? Because you're designed to get to the top. You're designed to get up there. In fact, that whole thing was made for you. God has equipped you with everything you need. But if you look at the full, the fullness and the stature of the Lord Jesus Christ and you say, man, I'm so far from that. Don't, don't worry about that. Just worry about your next move and what it looks like to live like the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? It was, so, it was like crazy clear to me. I don't know if that was clear to you guys, but uh, you know, I, I kind of mentioned this before, like when, when God saw you, when he created you, when he looked at your life, he's just so pleased. Some people don't believe that right now, I feel. But I'm telling you, it's so true. Before you did anything, he's so proud of you. Before you did anything. The same thing with Jesus. You look at Jesus in Matthew 3.16. This is the very start of Jesus' ministry. He's, he goes to John the Baptist to get baptized and we pick it up in verse 16. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened up to him. And he saw, Jesus saw, the Spirit of God descending on him, uh, descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Guys, this is, Jesus didn't do anything prior to this in regards to his ministry. This is before turning the water into wine. This is before multiplying the loaves and the fishes to feed thousands. This is before all the sermons of wisdom. This is before the walking on water. This is before raising Lazarus from the dead. This is before the cross. And God looked at his life and he says, one, this is my beloved son. That's his identity. And mm, I'm really pleased with him. Another word to say please is, this is a good thing to me. It is good. Look at Jesus. This is, it is good. What's God doing here? He's looking at the potential of Jesus Christ and what Jesus could look like should he make the choices that his father wants him to make. Make no mistake, Jesus had some choices to make. He wasn't a robot just pre-programmed to just live and walk that life. Uh, Hebrews 5, 8 says, although he was the son of God, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Jesus had to make choices that were difficult. And before all those good choices, yeah, he ran the race and he ran it perfect. He's like that guy who went up, like my brother-in-law who climbed up the, the, the rock mountain first before me. I was like, oh, I know it's possible because the spirit of God was in him. That's what enabled him to do it. But Jesus still had to align his will with the Father's will. He's so proud of you already. Don't beat yourself up. He's so proud of you. Like he knows what you 
can look like the moment you just say, yeah, let's go. I learned from that. I want more of you. So proud of you. So proud of you. Um, and like, make no mistake, this whole identity is and will be challenged, okay? Your identity, the things that I'm saying, how pleased God is of you without, again, you having to do anything. You don't have to earn his favor. All these things that I'm saying about you, the promises that he has spoken about you, make no mistake, it will be very much challenged. Your identity is gonna be challenged. Your self-talk, you will hear yourself say, that you are not good enough. You will hear yourself say that he is far. You will hear yourself say that stuff doesn't make sense. You will hear yourself say that stuff doesn't really apply to me in the situation. You will hear yourself say that, well, I want that. And that's, and you shield yourself from God and you do your own thing. These are things that will challenge what you believe. Jesus Christ himself was challenged in these two areas. Right after, those verses we just read in uh, Matthew, right after that, the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness where he is tempted. Okay, he's in there for 40 days and 40 nights. And the devil himself appears to Jesus Christ and he says this. Let's pick it up in in, uh, in, uh, Matthew 4, 1. Uh, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him, tempter ta- the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. First thing the devil said to him, he says, if you're the son of God, what did God just say? He said, this is my beloved son. He spoke over Jesus Christ, And then the devil comes to challenge it. If you really are the son of God, turn these these stones into bread. And what did Jesus say? It is written. That's how he combated it, right? He combated temptation with the written word of God. Verse five, then the devil took him to the holy city, set him up on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, he says it again, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him again, it is written. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. That's two times the devil came to him and tested his identity challenged it, challenged what God spoke over him. This is the son of God. And he was getting challenged. Darn right you're gonna get challenged. Darn right your identity is gonna be challenged and questioned. And then the third time he says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Identity tempted not once, but twice. And then the third time, what was tempted, what was challenged was what was promised to Jesus. 
God promises a lot over your life. He's given you a lot of promises, a lot of promises. And the devil's gonna try to challenge those things by providing you with something of lesser value, a, a cheap counterfeit for what God has got for you and what he's promised you. We want to be aware of what he says about us, the identity that he's speaking over us, and then also what he's promised us. Those are huge, huge, huge elements to who we are. What has God said about you? You know what God said about you? Do you believe you're his son? Do you believe you're his daughter? Do you know he's got awesome plans for you? Like more than what you've already experienced and more than what you can get on your own? Like so much more? We gotta have those. Those words of God, the identity of who we are, the words that speak our identity and the words that he has given to us as promises. Those two things we use to battle with. You're in a spiritual battle. (laughs) We are in a spiritual battle. There's things that go through your head and my head that don't belong there, that challenge who I have established that I am going to be. The words of God can bat that thing. Paul tells the same thing to Timothy. In Timothy uh, 1.18, he says, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. What's this saying? In accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, by them, by what? It's by the prophecies that Timothy is to wage the good warfare. It's the prophecies, the things spoken about Timothy and his life, his destiny, the plans God has for him, the ministry he's been called to, the reason why he has been sent to a particular area. Paul's saying, use those things to wage the good warfare. Remind yourself of those things. Self-talk, tell yourself who you are, what God said about you. Second Corinthians Chapter 10, 3, 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds, and we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Our weapons, what are those weapons in this war we fight, in this spiritual war we're, 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 we're in the middle of? What are the weapons? What is it? God's word. It's the words of God. Those are our weapons. Use those things Use those things to destroy the strongholds that the enemy has whispered into you that have created strongholds about your identity, about who you are. You're, some of us, I believe, are trapped in certain areas. 
chains certain areas of our lives, certain aspects of who we are. We've got a stronghold. We're not free. And what he says, he says, use the words that I've spoken. Use those things as weapons to destroy those strongholds. So you can be free. So you can live free. You can think free. You can be at peace. Like this is who you are. And this is how it is like you to act. You are a daughter of God. You are a son of the Most High. You were, ma- you were created to look like Jesus. You know how we talked about God was creating things according to their kind? You're the Christ kind. That's who you and I are. You have to establish in your heart that that's how you desire to live now. Am I going to be perfect? No. But I can tell you right now, that is who I stand for. I have made a choice to live my life to be the man that he has created me to be in Christ. Not to live a life to be the best that I could be or not to lead a life that is led by my feelings, emotions, and thoughts, but it's what he has said about me. Like Joshua said, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's what Danny and I have said over our own lives and over our family. This is how we will act. This is how we will respond to people. It's out of love. It's out of that good nature that I was created for. It's a choice. It's a continual choice. Uh, There's a a word uh, that's been like really big in our our house between Danny and I, and that's the word steadfast for about the year. It's like like the, the theme in our house, steadfast. Steadfast means to be faithful, to be loyal, to be committed, to be devoted, to be dedicated, unwavering, unmovable. That's steadfast. And Danny brought it uh, to my attention the other day. She said that, you know, it's interesting. In the Old Testament, uh, all the references regarding steadfast are primarily used for God's love and his unchanging, his unwavering, his, his devoted and his uh, just pure and faithful heart towards us as people. But in the New Testament, it's encouragement for us to be Steadfast, to be devoted, to be loyal, to be committed, to be dedicated, to be unwavering towards him because he knows what we go through. And the reason why he tells us that is because that's who he is and we're made from his nature. It's like, it's like if you're breeding dogs, if you're breeding like show dogs or if you're breeding, you know, like, like horses and you've got a, a beautiful champion or a stallion, like they will pay top dollar for that seed for that seed to be multiplied because they want the genetic makeup. And you and I in Christ, we've already, we have that. We have that. It's our design to be loyal. It's our design to be faithful. It's not, we're not asking and he's not asking us to do anything that he didn't make us for. And so I've been praying, I want to be more steadfast. 
I want to be more steadfast. I wanna, I wanna show you that I'm like more loyal <laughs> to you. I wanna, I wanna show you that I'm devoted. I'm devoted to you. I'm firm in what I believe. I wanna make him proud by my actions. I want to please him. And I hope you're hearing me right because he's already pleased. He already knows what he's gonna do with my life. And I'm saying yes to it. But I wanna just show him just that nothing else matters to me but you. That I've decided, I've drawn a line in the sand with my life and said, this is how, this is how I'm gonna live. <laughs> when someone has hurt me, I, I will forgive them. If someone is unloving to me, I will love them. If someone has sinned against me, I will bless them. I will not hold bitterness in my heart. I will choose to show you what love looks like, just like Jesus Christ. And so I wanna, I wanna, I wanna increase in that steadfastness. I want my doing to reinforce my identity. I played football in college. If you didn't, if you didn't step on the football field, you weren't really a football player. <laughs> you know? I want to live out my identity. There's this verse in James, James 1, 2, and 3. Count it all joy, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Oh, yeah. God showed me this. He's like, you know what? You want, you want to show that you're more faithful? You want to show your loyalty? You want to show how committed and devoted you are? You want that to live out? Well, guess how that comes? It comes when we're tested. It comes when our identity is tested. It comes when you're tempted. The testing of your faith produces steadfastness. The testing of your faith, the, the, the trial that you're in right now, when you make a choice to choose his will and what he says to be true about you, that's when your life produces loyalty. It produces devotion to him. It produces dedication to him. It produces faithfulness unto him. You can't have an increase of the steadfastness without the trial. Make the choice. Who are you gonna be? Who are you gonna represent? Who are you gonna live? What are you going to live out? Oh, he's so proud. He's like, I, I know this, the situation you're involved in right now. He's like, I know it. I know it. And I saw how you I saw the choice that you made to choose love. I saw that choice, and I'm so proud of that. Oh, I'm so proud of that. Oh, I saw, I saw how you didn't choose it with that one situation, but I see how you're thinking about choosing love right now. And wow, am I proud of that. Wow, am I proud of you repenting and saying, man, that's not my life. Man, I'm so proud. You're good. When you walk out of these doors, 
you're going to be tempted. This, what I just said, is going to be tested. Your faith will be tested. James, I'm going to close right here. You guys still awake? Yes? <laughs> Good. Woo! Thank you. 122, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. The only person you're deceiving is you. <laughs> For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and then goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, perseveres, being no hearer of the, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. When you do the good thing, when you make the right choice, it enforces your identity and it fills you up. It satisfies the soul because that's who you were made to be. You were made to make that choice. And yes, they're difficult at times, but that's who he made you to be. He made you to turn down that temptation, to go for the good and what is right. Amen. Amen. Come on. Awesome. I think that's all. I think that's it this morning. Are we good on that? Yeah. Don't forget it, man. It's good. Well, I want to pray, and then, yeah, Bob will close us up. Father, thank you so much. You just, you just smile upon us. And yeah, you know everything about each of us. But Father, may we be a people that prove our steadfastness to you. That in the depth of our heart, we make that choice time and time again to choose you, to choose your will, and to live out who you've called us to be. Father, for I know when you look upon our lives, you just say, mm, that is so good. So, Father, I thank you for teaching us this morning. Father, thank you for words to speak. And may the, the, the words that we heard just, just shine just great revelation into our hearts so that we can be actual ones who walk out and, and live love, live what it looks like, that we can live like the prototype Jesus Christ, the first fruits, that we can be the fruit after him that shines your glory so bright. So Father, we thank you and we long for the day where we look at you and we look into the eyes, the fiery eyes of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, when he says to us, well done, well done, well done. Father, we glorify you in his name and we are just blessed to be the Christ kind that you have made in this generation here in this dark place. May we shine, Father, may we shine. And it's all through the Holy Spirit. And it's in his mighty name, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Garrett. I don't think I'm ever going to forget the image of that climbing wall.
that uh, I didn't realize how they were color-coded, and they were designed for you to succeed. That was that just going to live with me. That's how our lives are like. We've done a lot of things together. We've sung together. We've prayed together. We've learned together. A uh, couple more things. We can break bread together. We have things, refreshments for you. But we have prayed together. But if you need to be prayed for personally before you leave today, please come see me. Come see Garrett. Come see the person next to you. But don't leave with a need in your life. So God bless you all. I love you. Bye-bye.